This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe, joined by Juita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. Our next topic is all about Air Canada, who have been ordered to compensate a BC man after its online chatbot gave inaccurate information about flights. The Civil Civil Resolution Tribunal found Air Canada's online bot gave inaccurate information about the cost of a bereavement flight and the bot said that the reduced rate could be collected retroactively up to 90 days after the flight. When Jake Moffat put in the application to receive the rebate, it was denied. Air Canada stated that they had no such policy and that the rates had to be claimed at the time of purchase. Luckily for Moffat, he had taken a screenshot of the conversation with the bot that gave him the false information. Air Canada had to pay Moffat $650 in damages so michelle this was your uh, story for the week like what's your reaction to the case sure well if i just want to if i can provide just a tiny <laughs> bit of context that i think is going to inform some of how this discussion goes um one of the big arguments that a that air canada put forward in this is that they said this chatbot was its own legal entity <laughs> and it was disclaiming all responsibility for any of its contents even though it was a feature of its own website so I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that the tribunal's conclusion that, no, actually, you are responsible for your own content, including your chatbot. I don't think any of us are going to take a whole lot of exception to that ruling. What I do find really interesting, though, is how we're already starting to see AI creeping into the courts. And this is the kind of case I think we're going to see increasingly often. This does not establish precedent. It's a tribunal ruling. It was for pretty small potatoes in terms of money. It was like 650 bucks. You know, like, I'll take it, but we're not mm. talking you know, budgetary, game-changing stuff here. But these are the sorts of conflicts we're going to be seeing more and more often. I was very interested to see the the wholesale rejection of Air Canada's position on this. And it comes at a time when companies, governments, you name it, are trying to figure out how to handle AI. (laughs) It's such an emerging world, and into that world drops this case that I found quite interesting and probably relatable for a lot of us who've had our our frustrations with chatbots over the years. Absolutely. Joita, what was your reaction to to the case and the ruling? Well, I think my reaction is twofold. I agree with Michelle. I think part of the, the what makes this story interesting is the novelty of uh, artificial intelligence and the fact that it is uh, one of those rapidly expanding technological fields and our laws and even our thinking, have, frankly, hasn't really caught up with it. It's a lot like the so, like social media, maybe 10, 15 years ago, where we really didn't yeah. have, we didn't really have any sort of regulatory framework for social media. And so you had you know, the police basically going along and skulking on people's social media profiles, and there was no checks and balances. It was a bit of a wild west. And now that's all, you know, changing. And I suspect as artificial intelligence becomes even more enmeshed, we're going to have very deep discussions in the next five to 10 years about what kind of a regulatory and legal landscape is going to follow from that. Um, That's With all of that said, I think we have to acknowledge the novelty of the thing. But when it comes down to it, in one sense, this is the, this is, you know, business as usual, where you've got this large corporation trying to 
basically wash their hands off of an embarrassing situation or not to take responsibility for it. Uh, but it's really, in essence, no different from a scenario where you had a customer service representative or maybe a, a worker on a retail floor, um, maybe mistakenly provide a customer with information that contradicts company policy. Well, if that comes to light, it doesn't matter what the person on the floor told you or what the CSR on the phone told you. Um, you know, if they if the person was in the was in the wrong, it doesn't. Uh, it's not the it's not the customer's fault. Right. Like at the end of the day, mm -hmm. the company has to uh, be responsible for what the customer service representative is saying, what an employee is saying <clears throat> um, and what its chatbot uh, chat is saying. Uh, the other part of the story that was really interesting for me was um, Air Canada turning around and saying, but, you know, if you went and looked on our website, it actually does make it clear uh, that bereavement <laughs> yeah. leave is, you know, no. you can only get yeah, the bereavement exactly. rate at, at the time of booking. And then they turn around and say, but hang on, that's not the that's not the end user's problem. It's not up to the customer to decide which part of your website to trust. So mm -hmm. I think that that was also really interesting. Uh, it, it's actually a very strong ruling in favor of uh, consumer protection. So I yes. think it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see, um, you know, it's not precedent setting, but it is also sort of indicating that, um we don't have a lot of uh, of regulation when it comes to artificial intelligence, but in essence, we're still dealing with a David and Goliath kind of situation, and those stories are always fun to talk about. Well, and and the thing is too, and as I pointed out, like the the one thing that really made the difference was the fact he had screenshots of the conversation. If he didn't, then Eric yeah. Hanna would have just said, "Oh well, no, you clearly, you know, our chatbots have this information. This is how they do it. They they're they're going to give you accurate information." It was only that you had clear proof. Of, of the uh, the wrong information being presented to the customer, that he they actually had a a fighting chance against Air Canada. I, I like it fascinates me that of all the positions that you could take, that Air Canada's like, yeah, no, our our uh, features of our website and our own like information dispensing chatbots, they're not actually associated with. They're their own thing. Like, I. And you you made a great point, Juita. It's like it's the same idea of having like a customer service rep in a store. It would be ridiculous to be like, oh, I went uh, and talked to a salesperson at your store. Well, they don't actually work for us. They're their own person. They just happen to be there <laughs> yeah. selling our products and sharing information. But they're not with us. Even don't don't look at the shirt they're wearing. You know, yeah. Michelle, like dive a bit deeper into this. Like this is just bizarre, right? To try to make that argument. It, I mean, I it certainly struck me as as that way but 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 at the same time we, we live in a world where corporations are considered a legal entity so uh, there, there's lots of wiggle room in these definitions there always has been uh air canada of course does have a pretty strong track record of of trying to protect its own interests in these sorts of cases when they arise um but it definitely did strike me as a novel argument just especially in light of the tech itself uh, as we see more and more generative ai entering our society and our lives um trying to treat the chatbot differently than it would a customer service rep, because I don't think Air Canada would have had the the, the nerve, shall we say, to, to forward that argument if the conversation in question had taken place with a human. Um, but the fact that they did try to roll this one was interesting, because I'm sure that there will be cases that do go to court, perhaps with even bigger corporations, that might try something similar. And in a world where we don't have any kind of guardrails on this, uh, that it's a bit nerve-wracking, I think, for, for many of us. Yeah, and, and this seems like it—I I know you both have mentioned this is not precedent-setting, but 
this feels like this is the first hint of, okay, where those guardrails might come into play. So, Juita, like, talk a bit more about in terms of, like, how we're, we should try to look at guardrails, like, what are companies kind of really doing? What are governments and courts starting to view as where, where are the lines when it comes to AI and the use of things like chatbots? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm not um, I'm not a, a technological expert, so I don't exactly know where guardrails would be. But I think a good place to start would be to acknowledge that if you have a chatbot on your website, then it is in fact a part of your website, and you are accountable for the information that it dispenses. That might be a really good place to start. Uh, but also, <laughs> you know, finding ways to verify the information that I think there should be some responsibility on on the uh, entity or the company or the corporation that is making use of a chatbot to uh, do some quality control. Like, you know, if you pick up the phone and you sort of talk to a customer service rep, you'll get that little message that says, this call may be recorded for quality control purposes. And I think there, there will be some expectations that if companies are going to increasingly rely on our AI uh, as an alternative to actually hiring real people, to do customer service work, then there is um, a corresponding responsibility that companies have to ensure that the information given out by artificial intelligence uh, and uh, is actually accurate. So whether that means going in and then conducting tests, whether that means doing uh, routine quality control, I think those are going to be some of the basic things. But one of the things that I really but like, of course, about that, but then they might do a disclaimer, like we're not, we mm. can't be held responsible for any information provided this way. Like that's another approach that I could see taking hold. And that, yeah, of course they're going to do a disclaimer, too. but at the same time, yes, yes, I can see that. I can see that too. But I think again, I mean, if they're not going to be if they're not going to take responsibility for the information and it's just going to cause all kinds of confusion um maybe they're not ready to adopt the technology because it's just going to end up with we're just going to end up end up with more of these cases where people are going to say but you know your chat box said one thing but apparently it's not your official company policy so i think it's very hard to say with any degree of certainty what the guardrails will be uh because we're it's all so new uh and i wouldn't be surprised if they convene some kind of a a round table where they bring in industry experts and people from governments and and people with like a background in in tech and uh and and uh, you know and ethics and things like that to try and actually hammer out what these guidelines will look like it's beyond my pay grade to be honest with you but i've taken my best shot at it so. uh, joita first off i i want to commend you for uh for your imitation of the uh, uh the the like recurring message on on recording the conversation because that yeah. was like spot on like i i thought it was on hold for a second while you were talking i was like <laughs> <laughs> Dang, okay, okay, Jarita's like, she's heard a few of those in her time. I, I also think, too, like, because uh, earlier in the week, we had Marco Flalo on, and he was playing some uh, AI-generated, like, audio um, uh, kind of sound clips of, of narration and people. And we failed uh, those who were participating in that uh, a fun game, which you can find out on uh, AMI Plus on, or on the podcast, but... It was fascinating because you couldn't always identify who was human, who wasn't. Like, the lines become more and more blurred. Right now, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, there's clear identifiable things where it's like, oh, this is a chatbot. You know, hello, how may I assist you? You know, just blocks of, of information online. But if you're picking up the phone, there may not even be that guarantee that the person on the other end of the line answering your call may, in fact, be human sooner rather than later. Michelle, what do you make of the ideas around these like these guardrails, like how th this technology is rapidly expanding so quickly and how eager uh, different uh, companies are, are to adopt it? 
Oh, I mean, the appetite is huge. The, the, all the, the, the various API plugins for ChatGPT companies leapt on those the, the exact second they became available. I think the appetite is very much there, but also so is the, the need for these guardrails. And you do, in, in fairness to, to most institutions, a lot of them are scrambling to put them in place and began, and began doing so within months of ChatGPT really sort of putting AI on the map in a mainstream way. Um, but And I, ha I have to say, though, I'm with Joita. This is not my area of expertise by mm -hmm. any means. There are literally entire firms of people who, who can handle this, these sorts of questions much more intelligently than I can. I haven't even taken the time to really dive deeply into the guidelines used, released in places like the EU. So there are, there are some corners of the world and some companies that have more robust frameworks than others, but I'm not familiar with how those look. And I certainly don't feel qualified to weigh in on whether they're equal to the task at hand. Okay, then let's let's end the conversation on this. Let's talk about our personal experience. So take take the, the reporter journalist hats off, talk about the personal experience. Joita, what is your personal experience with chatbots? And do does this kind of ruling and how this situation play out raise concerns of engaging with them in the future or, or how you would engage with them in the future? Well, I think it's unavoidable. Um, like I said, I think many companies are looking to the bottom line and more and more because it's, um, you don't have to pay a chatbot. Uh, I think we are, that is the future of customer service. Um, and we're seeing, I think it's unavoidable uh, to have to engage with them and chatbots are, you know, becoming ever present, whether it's in the classroom or in customer service or, you know, in, in other facets of life. Um, I don't have too many complaints and I don't have too many um, good experiences. It's kind of just there for me. Um, but I also recognize that at this stage, if I did get information from a chatbot, my instinct would be to try and double check it just to be on the safe side. But that's mm -hmm. just my skepticism talking. Uh, but I recognize that many people would not. So I think the the need for some kind of 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 you know the need for some kind of uh, regulatory framework and also the need for for companies to take account to take some note of the chatbot and to take note of what information is being dispensed by the chatbot i think those things become very important uh, but for myself you know i'm kind of reconciled to the fact that they're they're here to stay and um will increasingly be the way that we get information because companies don't want to have to pay actual people. I mean, we saw that they already started to, you know, uh, many years ago, they started the practice of farming out customer service work overseas where they could get labor for cheap. And now this is sort of the next, yeah. the next stage in that. So I don't see them going away. Michelle, last word on this topic goes to you. Yeah, I, I'm with Joita. I don't see them going away. And I don't love that because I am not a fan. I, I actually don't even love the chat functions in, in, in most, even when you're talking to a person. I, I, I find those frustrating at times when dealing with a company or trying to get answers from a complex website. Um, Chatbots, I, I tend to try to avoid, but I think Joita is totally right. That will not be an option forever. Um, I think you're right on Joita to identify the, the next wave of, of customer service outsourcing. Uh, adding in this direction. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? This case, I think, will make me a little more diligent about perhaps trying to verify info when possible. But at the same time, you're probably only using this chatbot in the first place because you can't find the info yourself. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Good times for us all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you both. We'll leave the conversation there for now. Coming up after the break, Michelle McQuig and Juita Gupta consider recent comments made by Environment Minister Stephen Gilbo 
who says the federal government is no longer investing in new road developments. You're watching the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.